All right, here we go. Time for another episode of Golf Subpar with Colt Nost and Drew Stoltz. Hope everyone had a great weekend. Sorry for the one-day delay, but it was a little bit of a shit show for me getting back from Panama. Shockingly, the airline industry, things didn't go as planned, Sleaze. They're normally so dialed in, too. Hard to believe that things didn't go perfect from start to finish. Uh, good news for them, unless you want to take a Greyhound down there. You got to stay on I'll the airline, back. so you keep coming back to the well. But good to have you back. I know that was a bit of a bit of a fiasco getting back here, but here we are, one day late. Apologies, but thanks for hanging with us. Yeah, obviously it was a tough way to start off 2024 for me as far as my travel goes. Flight got canceled, got pushed back two days, going to Panama. I didn't get there till Wednesday. Then coming home, was getting ready to land in Houston before I connected here to Phoenix to come see you to do our segments and do an interview. And I uh, got told with about 20 minutes ago we were being diverted to New Orleans because we don't have, have enough fuel to circle and let the weather um, move out in Houston. So that should feel good that yeah. they just calculate that fuel. We take a right just turn. If, we, if nothing goes wrong, we have enough to get to our destination. If anything, if we got to go around a flock of birds, probably all fucked. Yeah. So we ended up going to New Orleans, then flew back to Houston, then. Rushed like hell to get on the early flight to come here. Bag didn't make it. Had to go get it at the airport this morning. Repack. Head to San Diego for the farmers. It's been smooth sailing, my man. But you got that premium seat right next to the shitter. 21 which is nice. C. Which is, by the way, after what happened on Alaska Airlines with the doors flying off, at least your doors stayed on your plane. Uh, window, not as appealing as it used to be for me. Window, exit row, maybe just go past that one from now on. Yeah, I have, uh, it was in, I've, was very i was the last person on the plane they handed me my ticket 21c i was like oh not bad well there was 21 rows on it and i was right there on the aisle about three feet i could rest my head on the door of the toilet uh everyone that went in there they so walk good. out and they look right at me I'm like sounded like just everything went awkward, all right there, huh? that awkward put your head down don't <laughs> yeah. look at anyone you can just have a conversation with them while they're in there hey buddy how's it going um, what are you reading good news is the way i'm gonna look at it is everything is gonna be up from here Stomach got all problems? the bad shit out of the way <laughs> Yeah, as dude, everything should goes, be perfect for the rest of the year. No There'll be no problem. more we come on and talk about shitty travel situations. It'll be smooth sailing. But before we get to the PJ Tour, since we're talking about Panama, just want to yeah. give a big shout out to the Latin American Amateur Championship, Augusta National, the USGA and the RNA, the incredible event they put down. I've been lucky enough to cover this event. This is my third year. I also do the Asia Pacific Amateur Forum. Have seen some great champions come out of there. But this week, Santiago de la Fuente of Mexico, his life changed he battled omar morales down the stretch ended up winning by two finishing birdie birdie on 17 and 18 with some incredible shots he has booked his ticket to the masters the u.s open the open championship the u.s amateur and the british amateur great name also oscar de la, de la fuente spanish for of the fuente in case you didn't know that i actually came home from taking my little daughter to little gym where she just runs amok came home it's like perfect i'm gonna get ready watch a little football click on oh there's Latin American amp. Watch it. Click it on. Two holes left tied. And I'm like, oh, this is beautiful. Get to watch it. I mean, and then Oscar goes stony baloney on 17 to about two feet. And I was hoping for, you know, I want to see it neck and neck coming down the stretch and then hits a missile down 18. Beautiful wedge. Ends up making the putt to win by two. But the dude's facial expression did not change one time. The dude was just mean mug, stone face the entire time. Here's the, and you, you were at the, um, not the Pacific Coast, the, um, Asia What's the Pacific? other one? Asian Pacific. Thank you. Here's the formula for winning those things. Don't be leading going into the final round. It is a tough door to close when you are you thinking about Masters invite, all the things versus nothing? Because it ain't like the USAM where you get to the finals, boom, you're in. That's a pretty big, pretty big nugget at the end of the rainbow there. Uh tough to close for these kids. Yeah, man. you go back to 
Australia, the Asia Pacific, where Samson Jang, your man, your My kryptonite, man, Samson, he had a big unflappable. lead, ended up losing in a playoff, and then Omar Morales of Mexico, who is was the highest ranked player in the field, Santiago de la Fuente, second highest, so we had one and two battling out, they were miles ahead of third, it was awesome to watch, Santiago plays at Houston, Omar, Texas Tech, put your guns up, Red mm. Raiders, but mm. Omar was leading the entire week, had a six-shot lead, actually, with 20 holes to play. Three-shot lead with nine to play, um, but Santiago ended up tracking him down. Quick story about Omar. Saturday night, we're at the gala. Everybody's coming up to him. He's leading. He's over there sitting there talking to me, kind of hanging out, and we start talking about Nick Dunlap, who won on the PGA Tour this week as an amateur, but he was leading going into the final round. He was talking about how incredible it is. He's like, what do you do if if he wins? Like, does he turn pro? Does he stay am and all this? And I was like, well, if he wins, he gets in Augusta National. He's already in the U.S. Open because of the U.S. Amateur Champion gets in either way. I said he loses the Open Championship but picks up the PGA. And he was like, he, he really loses his Open Championship? I was like, yeah. I was like, when I turned pro, I had to give that up as well. He's like, you won the U.S. Amateur? And I'm like, Jesus, Beautiful. kid, where have you been? You don't have a TV? <laughs> and he's Beautiful. like, what? He goes, what year? And I was like, 2007. Then I quickly realized he was four years old when I won. We're in the era now where no this one remembers. Sucks. The new kids kind of don't remember shit that happened before 2015. It's a beautiful era. It'll be like when John Cook talks about, I remember 1981. I was like, yeah, that was a few years from even coming onto the earth right now. So we're in the new era. That's the kick in the nuts to you, but it will live on forever. But getting to Nick Dunlap, big week for amateurs punching their tickets to some master, uh, major events. I'll tell you this, dude. When football's on on the weekend right now, we got NFL playoffs and all that. Football takes priority for me. I'm watching football, and then my previous button goes to golf during commercials. I record it so I can catch up and watch all this stuff. But that's typically the way it works. This week, because it was Nick Dunlap, for whatever reason, I was in it from start to finish. ESPN Plus, watching him tee off on the first hole, the whole thing. Uh, that was an unbelievable, cool finish for a guy that, I mean, really until the 60 in the third round, he wasn't really on the radar. Like, this thing kind of came out of nowhere. And watching him do it, not just do it, but to close it against Justin Thomas and Sam Burns in that final round, like, other than the one swing on seven, pff, dude, that was impressive shit. And for the whole script to flip, by the way, on the 18th, where he thought he had a two-shot lead, and then he gets up there about ready to chip. He's like, oh, yeah, it's only one. Yeah, I mean, he was right up was there. Awesome. He, he was 17 under through two rounds and then went out and shot – or sorry, he was 15 under through two rounds, a couple shots off the lead, and then went out and shot the 12 under 60 at La Quinta. By the way, I don't think this got talked about enough. The guy, the other pro in his group withdrew before the round on Saturday. So it was just him and two amateurs playing out there at La Quinta. Goes out there, shoots 12 under 60, and then he's paired with Sam Burns and Justin Thomas. I mean, two massive names. Thought he was going to be really nervous. Came out, looked great. Hit it close on the first couple of holes. Had good looks. Stoned it at the par five after he laid up. And then just the massive whoops on seven, which came out of nowhere. But that was unbelievable for him. 20 years old. Just his fourth PGA Tour event ever to, to show those stones coming down the stretch to do what he did. The putt on 16 was incredible. Hitting the green on 17. I mean, we, we saw what pressure does. Sam Burns flares it in the water. And then the crazy part on 18. I mean, he hit, there was no way that tee shot was going left. Or the second. I mean, the second. he talked about his caddy. He's like, our, he's like, whether this is right or not, our basically our thought process was don't hit it in the water. He the thought he had a two-shot cush. The second shot, I couldn't see where it came down. Then all of a sudden it comes rolling down Flipped the hill. Flipped someone in the yeah. gallery and got a good break, but he was still on a pretty severe downslope right there, but way better off clearly than oh. it would have been. But like to, to go ahead and get that up and down. That is not – I mean – Sawgrass gets all the attention because it's the players, and it is a tough, tough closing stretch there. But that closing stretch there at Stadium Course mimics it pretty damn closely, especially 17 and 18. And it's just two-shot lead thinking you got that is miles different than one. But for him to do that, dude, it was one of the most into final rounds that I've had 
in a long time in a regular tour event, a non-major, non-rider cup. I think there's a couple of differences. Obviously, 16 at Sawgrass and at the stadium course, like they're gettable par fives. You got the crazy bunker down to the left at, at stadium course. And then over at TPC Sawgrass, you've got the water running there. But 17, the big difference, in my opinion, is just the weather. Like you always get a dome out there in Palm Springs. And guys are so good at hitting their numbers. If there's no wind, they can hit that island. And then 18. You can't really bail out on 18 at Sawgrass. If you do, you're in the trees. You're most likely pitching out. Here, as long as you don't hit it out of bounds or in the lip of the bunker, you're going to have a shot to get it up around the green. But the putty made five feet, nine inches, I believe, to to win. First person since Phil Mickelson in 1991 to win as an amateur on the PGA Tour. Just incredible. Now he's got some decisions to make. He's in the majors, except for the Open Championship, which he moved up to 68 in the world, so most likely he's going to be which in the Open nuts, Championship. by the way. All the signature events. So he's going to get seven of the eight and free money, 70 guys, no cut, free points. He didn't get any points, but and it's basically a three-year exemption because we're just three events in. He's all this year, all of 25 and all of 26. I think it's a no-brainer for him to turn pro unless he happens to jump over to live if they throw some crazy money at him. But I expect... We'll be seeing Nick Dunlap. That that little A next to his name will be gone here very shortly. Yeah, I have no inside information. I'm not. This is just pure speculation. I gotta think he's turned pro and he's turning pro damn quick. He's took this week off. He had his sponsors into Tory not taking it. Go home, regroup. Life has changed here. There's a lot to, a lot to digest here in the off week. But I think you hear a decision sooner rather than later. Whether it's at Pebble Beach turning pro, I think you got to take all these signature events, the money, his, his stock will never be higher than it is right now. The only real decision in my mind is, you know, you hear the speculation, you saw a bunch of tweets from live guys after he won, which I had not seen for other tour winners at the time. Granted, it was history, first time in 33 years and amateur, so it's a little different ball game. But the decision is, for me, if I'm him, not to turn pro, but do I go to live? Do I go to PJ tour? One way or another, I'm turning pro, my stock is soaring right now. And it's, these are all good problems to have good decisions to be making there's no losing on this for nick dunlap but i just don't see any way that um i mean what what's left for him other than a national championship and i don't think anybody on his team at alabama would blame him no a great reaction from his team in the team van yeah. when he made the putt to win i don't think any of them would blame him for turning professional but you mentioned the tweets I and mean, you saw john rom phil mickelson hudson swafford even greg norman jr tweeted I didn't see them tweeting chris kirk or grayson murray that's what i was saying won. i was like i didn't seen this avalanche before greg norman jr i just want to let you know nick dunlap won not scott scott nick mm, gold whatever. jacket green jacket although I, I think he does have like the blue i don't know i think he's got the blue check on twitter you got an edit button there. That's the beautiful thing about that blue check. You could have probably got in there quick after the first 20 people told you, hey, dude, that's not his real name. Got in there and changed it. But, you know, I'm not a PR yeah. guy. And I expect him to turn pro as well. If he does stay amateur, the one thing he can do, he can play up to 12 regular PGA Tour events as an amateur. He cannot play the signature events as an amateur. So he, if he wanted to stay school, finish out this semester with his teammates and all that, he can play NCAAs, try to get a national championship, and then turn pro. Um, could see him playing events like here at the WM Phoenix Open out of Play the winner's category. Hopefully. Yeah, but I expect him to turn pro. I I think, you know, we've had him on this show. The little bit I've got to know about him, I expect him to make an announcement here in the next few days that he'll be making his pro debut at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am, um, you know, the second signature event of the PGA Tour season. And I expect him to get it going, to see him play at Pebble, Phoenix, and L.A., three in a row right out of the gate. That's, that's pretty much what I expect, too. I think he does need a week go home. All the endorsements and sponsorships and things like whatever was in in the queue for him when he did turn pro well the numbers have changed the values have changed his value is higher now than it was 10 days ago 
prior to this. So you got to get all that buttoned up. Who am I going with? What am I going to be doing? Line up your schedule. Like the whole thing has changed. He needs a little time to get this going. It's not just like, oh, I'm going to play Palm Springs and then I'm going to play Tori and then I'll be back at school. It's like, no, dude, your whole year just shifted. You got to regroup a little bit. But I think we'll hear something in very short order. But no matter what, congratulations, Nick Dunlap. Incredible performance. First amateur since Phil Mickelson in 1991 to win on the PGA Tour, and you did it against a hell of a field. Xander Schauffele, Sam Burns, Justin Thomas, Patrick Cantlay, among many others. It was awesome to watch. Um, so happy for him, his whole team, whatever you know the future holds. I can't wait to see. It's it was be great. one of the most into final rounds I've had in a long time. It was fun to watch, and he held up. By the way, he was going off at one four, plus 140 going in the final round with a three-shot lead. Smash. Same. Smash. Thank you. Yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, like, you I was like, dude, this ain't the normal amateur. This ain't just some regular amateur. Like, this dude's a monster, and he's got a three-shot cushion. If he goes and shoots a couple, even two under, which ended up getting it done, I was like, there's only a couple guys that can catch him, and they still got to have a day. Plus 140. The one yeah. time we outfoxed the books. We I could em. use it. I, I needed it, by the way. Kids running icy on this NFL. All right. Well, let's get to another subject, because Nick Dunlap, just 20 years old, so he doesn't have to worry about dry January. Yeah. Okay. okay. You and I oh, both okay. agreed. You were involved in a little bet with a group yeah. of guys. I was not. I was just doing this for myself. But after the pro scratch out at Whisperock, which I believe ended January 5th on a Friday, yeah. said dry January starts. I'm currently on day 18. Mm. I've been holding strong. Nothing in Panama. Okay, I was tempted, but I held strong because I said I was going to do it. I didn't say I was going to go the whole month. We're just going to see how long we can go because I want to feel ready to rock for Phoenix Open. But how's your dry January going, Sleaze? Uh, slight update. I'm on day three <laughs> now. I regret to inform everyone I've fallen off the wagon. I'm a weak man. Um, I did have a, had a bet with like it's like five or six of us. And, dude, it took like attorneys to get involved for us to agree to the terms of this deal. It's like, all right, dude, it starts on this date. It ends on this date. It can't be the whole month. It's got to be this many days. We settled on 21 days. We got going. The leader of our group, our our patriarch, if you will, uh, Fell off the wagon in like three days. He's like, I'm off, boys. I saw him this past weekend. He had four cocktails in his hand. I was like, when are we getting that payment, buddy? He's like, I'll pay. I'll pay. Then throughout the bet, you know, we're updating. We're like, our oh, boys, day six, six out of 21. We're done. Seven out of 21. We're done. We're all holding strong. Then it's like, hey, guys, I'm going on a golf trip this week. I'm going to need a hall pass. Just one hall pass. Like, doesn't count. Everyone gets one hall pass. Like, they start making new rules and all this stuff. Everyone's just falling off left and right. So finally, I get out there this past week. I'm doing the Bob Does Sports Show with Bobby Fat Perez. I'm partners with Manziel. I'm like, what am I going to do? Not have a couple pops? Well, if you were strong. You know what I mean? But I'm not strong, Colt. I'm a weak man, as you know. And so, of course, I had a few there. I was like, all right, doesn't really count. And then the next day, some buddies in from out of town. We go play golf. I was like, dude, it's almost it's almost disrespectful if I don't have a couple pops here and have a good time. So I fell off the wagon, uh, self-reporting. Uh, I failed. I'm weak. And um, it's not a, really a dry. It's like a, just a... It's like a moist January. You know what okay. I mean? It's not dry. It's, it's not wet. I didn't go crazy or do anything. It's just there's a little moisture in January, which I feel think is pretty good. 14 days for me. Congratulations. Hell of a job. You went from a strong, committed relationship yeah. to dry January let's, to a hall pass to an open relationship. Let's see other people. You know what? It's not you. It's me. God. <laughs> yeah. What a disaster. That's best we just call this thing off All for right. both of us. Well, I'm proud of you for attempting, I guess. Thanks, dog. I'm not sure how much longer I'm going to make it. It's if, brutal. If, if something happens with my flight again, I'm off. I feel free, honestly. I feel like there's a huge weight off my shoulders. All right. Well, let's get to our guest this week who I have a feeling did not participate Man, in dry, dry January. Guy. This is my guy right here. One of my favorites. I miss seeing him out on the PGA Tour. He was he had a great career, man, and one of my favorite guys. He's hilarious. The one, the only, Steve Marino. Yeah, they just um, 
just one of the real ones you know what i mean just one of the he's like the dying breed in golf just a guy that kind of gets it but also hell of a talent too when he's out there and he's he's a fun talk he's a fun combo and just make sure you stay tuned for the whole episode great impressions you might get a little yeah it's a cameo i get a little cameo from former world number one dustin johnson at yeah the you never know yeah who knows who could show up during this interview all right here's steve marino on golf subpar all right, I am very excited for this one because we have got a dude with us here today. He played over 220 events on the PGA Tour. One shot of 59 back in his Jakey Jack days. Uh, also famously went toe-to-toe with Ernie Els on a 15-hour flight, which we're going to get his side of the story on that today. He's just one of the good ones out there. Steve Marino joins us. How we doing, fella? Excellent, guys. Appreciate y'all having me on uh pretty excited about it yeah man this is gonna be a lot of fun steve you're you're one of my favorite guys i've ever come across in the game of golf always love getting paired with you and i got to give you some a compliment right now you by far got the best background of any of our guests we've done (laughs) over video that's a beautiful spot you got there but i gotta know we haven't seen you much in the golf world lately what have you been up to Mm -hmm. well um i was you know last year i was kind of trying to play and uh, you know had some plans to do some mondays and ended up having to have a hernia surgery and uh that was way worse than i would ever imagine it being i was under the assumption i'd be back playing in golf in 10 days and it was probably like six to eight weeks and probably the most painful surgery i've ever had i mean i won't really get into it it's kind of in the man region where the pain was um but and then after that you know i just kind of I went to second stage of Q school and, and, you know, played like a, played like a jerk and didn't make it. And I mean, I think I'm going to give it a break for now, like competitive wise. And, uh, you know, I'm just trying to figure out what the next step's going to be, what I'm going to do. I've never worked a day in my life. So, <laughs> you know, this is a uh, kind of foreign territory for me, but, uh, you know, I'm kind of, you know, putting golf on the back burner for right now and, uh, trying to get into some, into some other stuff. Yeah. Well, don't ever, work a day in your life if you can help it you got to figure it out right now but how's the health now after that surgery i actually just had a buddy that went through that and he said it's one of the worst things in the history that hurt it, i mean it was awful it was awful I, i'm good now but it's funny i lost like 15 yards off the tee and a club in the irons and haven't gotten it back so <laughs> that's another reason why i'm like yeah you know maybe i'll give it a break for a little bit but it i mean it was awful it was awful like and i was under the impression that it was a, a nothing little surgery and I remember I went and saw, uh, for my post-op, I went and saw the doctor and I'm complaining to him. I'm like, doc, look. And he's like, yeah, there's a little drop there in the, you know, whatever. And I'm like, a little drop? Like, you know, what's going on here? Why is it so painful? And he was kind of laughing at me. And uh, But it was no joke, that hernia surgery. Oof, no joke. Sounds absolutely yeah. terrible. Let's talk a little bit about your golf. The early on days, obviously, you played at Virginia. I know you were, your your dad was in the military. Y'all traveled a lot, traveled around a lot as a mm-hmm. child, ended up settling in that area. Was I know you picked up golf at a very young age, but what what made you choose University of Virginia? Well, I was being recruited by a couple other schools, and um, Virginia is you know it was a pretty good academic institution, and um, I figured if I'm they're able they're going to let me in to go play golf there, I might as well take advantage of it because if I was a you know regular Joe Schmo in high school, they would have laughed at my application, so. I decided to go there and, uh, you know, really enjoyed it. Don't regret it one bit. And, uh, you know, had a, had a great time there. Degree in sociology. Yeah. Smart dude. Uh-huh. Smart yeah. Good dude. for nothing. 
(laughs) (laughs) They all are, by the way. They all are. Steve, you always had one of my favorite swings on the tour because I think like you owned it. You played that left to right as good as anyone. It felt very natural, very like, you know, unencumbered by a lot of teaching and stuff. Were you always like that? Even when you got onto the PJ tour coming up, were you kind of like, yeah, you get little bits of information here and there, but more or less like, like, don't strip my DNA. Don't, don't try to take away what I do best. Yeah. You know, eventually I think I got to there. I think that's probably why I ended up making it on the tour because, um, you know, I had worked with some other people on my swing and, and, and tried to kind of change it and, Eventually, I just got to the point where, like, listen, I know if I do this, I'm going to hit it solid. I can make it do this. I can make it do that. And just really uh, worked with a guy named Matt Messer at Bear Lakes Country Club down here and really just kind of kind of tried to find fine tune, you know, what I had with my golf swing. And, um, you know, for a while there that we were able to do it pretty good. And, um, you know, I think a lot of people can get lost in mechanics and and and. I just kind of tried to go out there and play like I knew what to do. I knew how to hit the shots. And, uh, you know, once I kind of stopped worrying about my swing and just, you know, came to realize that that's who I am, I, I think I, you know, I was able to kind of come into my own a little more. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a different looking move, but I, I spoke to Claude Harmon, who you worked with back in the day as well. I mean, he said you were one of the best ball strikers he's ever come across. Uh-huh. Yeah, I I did. I used to hit it real good. It's funny, like uh, the putting was kind of always the thing that held me back when I played. And now when I go play, the putting's probably the best part of my game. So, um, yeah, I did. I, I was blessed. I hit it good. I drove it straight. I hit my irons real nice and, uh, you know, played a lot of good golf, I guess, for a long time. I mean, look, you had a really, really good career out on the PGA Tour. I know you never won, but it was really solid. You had a ton of high finishes. But I want to go back to ride out of school, turning professional. First yeah. off, was turning professional always the game plan? Because I know you went through some years being out on the Jicky Jacks, as we like to call it. Um, yes, it was. Um, I didn't do it right away. I think I stayed amateur like the the whole summer after I graduated school and then actually found myself caddying at Robert Trent Jones in Gainesville, Virginia uh, during the fall. And uh, during that time, I played my first few professional events. There was a tour called the Tar Tar Heel Tour. It was in the uh, Charlotte area. And uh, I played a couple of events on that tour and uh, won both of them. Um, And so that kind of really solidified. I was like, you know, January 1, I'm going to move down to Florida and give it a shot. So that was the deal. And, you know, messed around on the mini tours for a few years. And, you know, for a while it was – you know, I was everybody thought I was going to be the guy to get on the tour and make it through Q school because I played well on the uh, in the mini tour events. But, uh, you know, I think mentally maybe I wasn't there yet. Wasn't, you know, maybe it was a, a little bit of a late bloomer. So it took me a couple of years to get out there. But, uh, uh, yeah, I, I messed around for a few three. You know, I think I was a rookie when I was 26. So not that long. I mean, yeah. three, four years on the mini tours. Yeah. And you were a beast on there and like the, the Florida mini tours, the Gateway, the Tar Heel, things like that. Um, did you think it was going to be as tough? What were your experiences like at Q school those first few years? Because there was guys out here when I was playing in Arizona. I was like, dude, no way this guy doesn't cruise through Q school this year. Like he is playing right. so good. And then inevitably they don't. Right, right. Um, you know, the most important thing for me, my first year out of school, I went and played the Canadian tour and um, didn't play well at all. Uh, was traveling through Canada, which was awesome. Like I would never, you know, I don't regret doing that, but then I made a decision to come and just stay at home and play on the Golden Bear Tour and practice every day and just kind of 
you know, be in a place where I could really hone my game, but also at the same time, gain some competitive experience against some really good players. So I think that decision was big time for me. And, you know, you know, you see the mini tours like, you know, in Arizona and Florida, these guys are shooting like the lowest scores ever. And you're looking at it and you're going, what in the hell? Well, eventually, you you know, you've got to learn how to do that because that's just the way it is. I mean, that's just the nature of pro golf. So that was good for me to do that. And then, you know, as far as the Q school, yeah. I mean, I remember I drove home crying from Martin Downs one year. I was so upset. I, you know, I butchered it. I bogeyed like two of the last three to miss it by one when I was the shoe-in guy, you know, and this was first stage of Q school. And um, I remember just being so upset. But, you know, I, I said to myself, listen, you're not good enough. If you were good enough, you would have made it. So you got to keep going, keep grinding. And, you know, that's kind of the attitude that I that I had pretty much my whole career. Like, you know, if it's not happening, you're not good enough. You got to try to get better. So people don't know what that pressure at Q school is like. It is brutal. There's a lot of great players <laughs> that could never make it through. But I, throughout, uh -huh. your, throughout your Jicky Jack days, who are some of the guys, you know, traveled around with, played with? And was there a guy that like comes to mind when you think of a guy that's like, damn, he was really good. I'm shocked he never made it. I mean, 100%. One of the best players I've ever played golf with. His name is Hiroshi Matsuo. Like a six foot four Japanese guy, had a ponytail, super intimidating, <laughs> pounded the ball, perfect swing. And we played at the same club down here for a long time, Bear Lakes. And he never made it. He got his uh, nationwide, it was nationwide tour back then. He got his nationwide tour card and just never really did anything with it. And it was always. I, I could never really wrap my head around it because this guy was, I mean, I'm like, dude, this guy could win the U S open. He could win the masters. He was so, like, to this day, he's one of the best people that I've ever seen play golf. And for some reason or another, um, you know, the traveling or the life on the road, or I don't know what it was like, he just didn't seem to, to play well. Um, which was very surprising to me, but he was, man, he was a stud. And, or it's just a matter of like getting through Q school and you talk about driving home crying. Like I've been through that. I know other guys it's just like a lot of them might be good enough. If you just beamed them onto the PGA tour and said, here's your tour card, go get them. They might do it. But getting there is oh, a different man. animal. Like, do you remember like same vein as you? Do you remember Nicholas Limke? Oh yeah. From out here? I mean, that kid was like the prototype. He looks like Ludwig Obert and swung it just like that. And I was like, there is no way uh -huh. this kid doesn't win everything, get on the PGA tour and probably win more. Cause this game is more suited for that than it is for these golf courses. You just never know. But take us back to that 59. I believe you shot it out here in Arizona, didn't you? I did. I did. Yeah. Um, it was at the uh, uh, one of those desert mountain courses. I think the outlaw course. Um, oh, yeah. It was in the Gateway Damn. Tour Championship. And I was actually paired with Mark Ternessa and uh, another guy named Dave Luteris. You know, you guys probably know oh. Dave. Do y'all know Dave Luteris? I see Luteris still do. every year. Up at, he lives up in Columbus. He's out at the Memorial every year. Oh, Lut but no, Luteris got a new gig now. He's the head uh, teaching professional at Medalist Golf Club down here. Is right he now. really? Oh, damn. He sure is. Yeah, so I see him when I go out there. I see him, you know, he, he's doing great. He's, he's got a nice gig and he's doing good. The members love uh love him and so he's doing good shout out to luda but they must have had 15 yeah, guys turn their job down luda was like, <laughs> what's that they must have had 15 guys turn that job down if he got it <laughs> i don't you know i don't know i, I don't know luda. what they were going after Great, but you know i think the diamond in the rough you know what i mean so that is awesome uh, good for him yeah yeah so um yeah it was me uh Ternessa, and dave luteris and uh 
Tuna and I were playing our $100 Nassau Auto 2s like we always play. And uh, I just remember, um, I think I think I shot like 29 on the front and I was only one up on Mark. He shot 31 or 30. We were having a match and I wasn't even really paying attention to what I was doing. And then we came to number 10. It's like this weird drivable hole and the pin was front right. But the only way you can hit it, only place you could hit it on the green is front right. There's a big bunker. But uh, I hit a good drive and you can't see him. We go up there and it's like two feet from the hole. So I made eagle. And then I was like, oh, damn. Uh, I started thinking about it and made a few more birdies. And then uh, eagled 16. I hit it like three feet. And I knew exactly. I'm like, man, you make this. You're 13 under. Shook that one in there. And uh, part 17. And then left it on the lip on 18 short from like 15 feet for 58, which, you know, at the time I couldn't even be mad. I was like, thank God, just tapped it in. But it was, I mean, that was the best round of golf I, I, I've played and best round of golf that I ever will play in my life. More importantly, like was, yeah. How much did you I beat took tuna out of? Like 900, maybe a thousand. I don't know. The presses got out of control on the back. <laughs> That's pretty good though. Only like that many ways that a guy shooting 59. And also you might be one of the only dudes in the history to shoot 59 on any tour by parring 17 and 18. Normally it's like they need to birdie the last, three or four right. they need an eagle or something but just to coast in with a couple pars and that's a real yeah, course well, too that's really, not like i a wasn't typical... really coasting but you know i was kind of gripping that club a little bit tighter but i, I made it in yeah 59 club absolutely love it you got yes. you got out on pj tour in 2007 you had a great rookie year yeah. you finished 80th kept your card yeah uh -huh. what, what were some of the things you mm -hmm. remember from your rookie year and I, I know knowing you you celebrated properly after locking up that card Correct. Correct. Yes, I did. <laughs> uh, I got the card in Palm Springs, made it through final stage of Q school. Uh, we had quite the class, Snedeker, Anthony Kim, Mallinger, John Merrick. I'm missing some guys, so I apologize. But I mean, we, we had a we had a real good uh, class. I think we were at the deer, the beer hunter uh, later that yeah. evening. And oh. um, they, you got to you got to go to some or, you know, the orientation thing they have and there were quite a few of us in there the next day that uh, were not 100%. I remember that. <laughs> That's hoodie up, head down during orientation. Just layer. Why are you talking to me right Correct. now? Yeah, they're, they're talking about branding. You're like, branding? Like, get the hell out of here, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Dude, they should have a documentary on just people that go into the beer hunter because that place is like everyone. That's like one of the only joints out there that you can go to wherever. I mean, the amount of people that have come through that place, the stories are just would just be legendary. Uh, I know, I know. It's 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 quite the place. I love Palm Springs, man. I, I like it out there. It's a, in the winter time. It's it's pretty nice, you know. Oh, it's dome dome golf. So, it's so good. Yeah. Then it, you get it, out it, there, you you have success like Cole talks about. But you ran around your little crew that you ran around with was one of the all time like character crews on the PGA Tour. You, Matt Every, Spencer Levine, Willie Mack. I mean, some of these guys. I mean, yeah. what a crew that was to run. Y'all had to have that was like the last era of the golden era, I would say. Well, yeah, I mean, I think we, uh, if it, it was the end of it, we finished it out strong. I know that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, we had a good time. I think, you know, I'm not really out there right now, but you know, I hear stories and I don't, I don't know if it's, you know, quite the same. I think it's a little less fun, a little less camaraderie, uh, a little more serious, which, you know, with the money that these guys are making these days, I completely understand that. But, uh, you know, we were able to juggle, you know, having a good time and um, really enjoying it and it's still grinding and playing good golf. Yeah, y'all had 
a very, very that's, fun crew. That's now, a squad. The one thing, you know, I'm not playing either, but I'm still out there most weeks. It's just everyone has their team, right? You got the uh-huh. you got the the coach, the caddy, the sports psychologist. You got this four or five man teams around everyone instead of, you know, once the round's done, you and your boys go hang out, grab a beer, grab dinner or whatever it is. Yeah, or or I'll be like, hey, Colt, dude, we watch me hit like a couple seven irons and just look at yeah. something. You know what I mean? Like when when people, other players used to ask their friends, like, dude, will you look at something real quick? Am I doing this? Like, you know, I, I feel like that's I don't know if that really happens much anymore. Um, that's a good I can't point. speak to it because I'm not out there, but it doesn't really seem like it does. You know, how much golf? I mean, obviously, you haven't played much lately, but mm-hmm. I know you enjoy playing the game a lot. How much are you playing now that you're home mm-hmm. and not doing it competitively? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm not playing a, a ton. Maybe three times a week I'm playing. Um, so I'm trying to you know still kind of stay sharp, but uh, you know maybe three four times a week. Uh, you know, go out and play with my my friends. Go out and play with some of the the boys that play on tour and on live at, at the medalist. Uh, but uh, you know, I'm not out there grinding, hitting balls, and practicing like I used to. You know what I mean? All right, some big news here from Subpar. We have officially launched our own YouTube page. Make sure to subscribe at golf underscore subpar on YouTube. Check out this week's video. Uh, Like, subscribe, do all the stuff. Colt, we got some cool behind-the-scenes stuff coming and uh, give you a little outside look at some of the stuff outside the studio. So please like, please subscribe. You're the best listeners in the game. We love you. Back to the show. I got to ask this because we're both removed from the game now as well, and we play with a lot of tour guys. Are you at the mm. point yet where you're asking for strokes? Mm. It's getting close, bud. It's getting close. I'm refusing to do it. I'm refusing to do it because, I, you know, if I play good, I'll be right there. I'm not going to beat these guys like five and four or something like they could beat me. But if I play well, I'll sneak out a victory here and there. But I don't know if I keep getting any lose any more distance. It's just the time is coming very soon. Listen, I'll, it, it's it's hard to ask, but once you do it and you accept it, there is nothing better uh-huh. than telling Dustin Johnson or whoever you're playing with, that's four for three. Yeah. <laughs> you want to press? Hey, when that day happens, I will fully <laughs> embrace it and embrace it in the shit talk as well. Yes. I'll tell you what yeah. I did for a while, and I'm starting to lean out of it because I just need it with some of these guys, but I didn't I would refuse to take shots for a long time. But I was like, all right, I'll play you Indy, but it's three to one. Or four to one, uh, take odds oh, yeah, your yeah. way, as opposed yeah, to like, like, like you should uh, beat me. This should be a layup bets. win for you. Yeah, yeah. Those are that's one way to kind of get around it. Like you're gonna beat me more than I beat you, but if I do, I want four x. So right, not a bad right. way. Like if I win, it's two hundred. If you win, it's a hundred. Mm-hmm. Stuff yeah, like that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's if smart. your body, let's say you had a hundred percent health right now, Steve. Do you still have like the itch? Mm-hmm. Would you want if if you, everything was feeling good? Would you want to get out there and grind and and start chasing some of it a bit? Probably not. Probably not. Yeah. And that was the other one of the other things that kind of was like, you know, made me come to the conclusion that, you know, maybe I'm not going to do it anymore. It's just, you know, I don't have the drive to go out there and grind. And like, Colt, I mean, we all know how hard it is to get out there. And then when you're out there, how hard it is, how, you, how hard you got to work to maintain, to stay out there. And you're not even trying to maintain, you're trying to get better because if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. So it takes a lot. It takes a, it takes a whole lot. And, you know, honestly, I don't think, you know, that desire burns like it used to. So, you know, you can't fake it and you, you got to own it. And that's the way it is. You know, the one thing I will say though, it's you, you look at the results after each week. And when we were playing, you knew if you snuck in there around 10th, you could possibly make six figures. And now it's like, <laughs> if you finish 28th, you're making a hundred grand. Like the money is just absurd. I know. 
I know. I know. It's insane. It's, it's completely insane. And, I mean, good for these guys. You know, I wish I would have come around like, you know, 10 years later, but, uh, you know, it's great for them. It's nice to see, you know, guys getting paid because, you know, really now uh, uh, a middle of the road guy is making a bunch of money, you know, where back, back when we played, if you were kind of middle of the road, 100th, 125th, you're like, man, what did I make this year? Like maybe 75 grand after everything's all said and done. I believe, you know, so. Yeah, I believe this year, this past year on the PGA Tour, Charlie Hoffman finished 129 and made a mil- made over a million dollars. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. I remember like you'd have to finish close to like top 30 when I first started yeah. to make a mill, I think. Yeah, not counting all the little in- year the end bonuses and the Aeon challenges and all this stuff that we don't even hear about that's oh, not even official the- money. There's so much of that flying around too but you said all right so you're going to take a little breather from it kind of uh feel it out you said there were some things that you're trying to stay busy with but you also never had a job in your life which is nice but what do you you got anything in mind that you're looking to get into yeah well i was coaching like the past year or two i've been coaching a couple people helping them out with their game and i like doing that but you know i don't really know i'm i don't really know what i'm gonna do you know I i wouldn't mind getting a job with with live as like uh you know doing something or the pga tour or something involved in golf um but you know that's just something i gotta try to figure out but um the coaching i enjoyed but you know i don't know we'll see i'm just kind of on a little journey to try to figure it out um but i'm definitely looking to do something because i'm getting bored down here you know there's only so much you can do and you got nothing to do. So <laughs> very true. It's a good problem and a bad problem. I got asked. You brought up the coaching, yeah. so I'll never forget this. Mm-hmm. I was playing on the Corn Ferry Tour at the time, and I go out and play a practice round with this young kid who is just getting going out of Florida State. He's got his phone in his pocket, listening to the most ridiculous <laughs> rap music ever. I'm like, who Awful. the hell is this kid? Well, come to find out, his name's Daniel Berger, and mm-hmm. it sounds like you kind of took him under your wing a little bit. But I got to know, what were your first thoughts the first time you came across Daniel Berger? Oh, man. I, he must have been like 13 or 14 years old. <laughs> uh, little young punk. He was going through puberty, voice cracking, like all tall and gangly and <laughs> just the goofiest kid you ever seen in your life. But would would be like, Marino, you're fat. Like, you suck. And would just talk shit to you. Just a little brat, <laughs> you know? And uh, just mean shit. So I would play golf with him and stuff. And then, you know, one day we go out and he's talking trash to me. He's like, I'll go play you for 500 bucks for on the front nine. So I said, right, fine, bud. So I win. He doesn't pay me. Um, and runs away and drive and, you know, runs away as he's like talking trash and like, F you, I'm not going to pay you. So the next day I see his golf cart out there. These are the days of the iPod touch. You remember that? Oh yeah. He had one of those thing was sitting in the cup holder of his cart so i just went whoop ganked that thing i let a couple days go by i called him up on the phone i said hey bud i got your ipod touch i said who's stephanie i'm on your facebook sending you a message <laughs> <for her." laughs> uh, and he's like you, he's like you asshole you better not do that like yeah and i go well give me my 500 bucks and you can have the ipod touch back uh i got the 500 bucks i think his rookie year on tour he gave me the money he said don't worry about the thing he said stop telling people that story steve (laughs) (laughs) don't break book Uh, i'm holding your ipod hostage until i get my 500 and i'm sending some deals it's tough love you know you need you need you know you need 
people to uh, teach you how it's done. That's right. That's <laughs> I'll tell you what, mentor. You know, he's gone through some injuries as, as well, but what a player I know. he is. Oh, but that guy was, man, when he's on, he, he's a killer. You know what I mean? 100%. He, he's a stone cold killer. It's unfortunate, you know, with, with the injuries he's got going on right now. You know, he hadn't played competitively in a long time. And I know he's working hard, like trying to get back and, and get back out there. And I, I really hope that, you know, us and you know everybody else that watches golf can watch him compete again because he he's a he's a fierce competitor no doubt hey he might get stuck in a corner in a round room but he's got a lot of talent yeah i know you know you know <laughs> competitiveness wise he's you know. I, no doubt i gotta ask you about one specific tournament because the 2009 open championship over at turnberry turnberry you're uh -huh. tied for the lead after 36 holes uh -huh. with the one and only tom watson take us yeah. through that saturday because obviously I mean, he was trying to make history out there at the Open Championship. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was crazy, man. That guy, he played so good. So I just remember, like, dude, we didn't tee off till like 450 yeah. or something. It's so weird over there, you know. So eventually, you know, the round, we started, and uh, I'm nervous as shit on the first tee. I remember it was the first hole was like if you, a four iron and like a nine iron or a wedge, if you know, if you hit it pretty good. And I just hit this four iron high on the face, dead straight right down the middle. But I had like seven iron ends way back there. Hit it on the green. Was kind of like shaking, nervous, two-putted it. And then I was all right. But that guy played so good. I mean, we talk about, you know, y'all talked about how I played that fade. And I drove it good. And I drove it straight. But we had these holes with these crosswinds blowing, you know, 20, 25 left to right. And I could not hit the fairway. I'm like a yard in the right rough on every hole because I got to start it so far left. My ball's coming in like on a 45 degree angle coming into the fairway. And Tom Watson ste stepping up there and just hitting these balls that are going dead straight, right down the middle, not even moving in this left to right wind. And I'm going, dude, what is going on here? And then I'm thinking, man, he must be hooking the hell out of it. So I can't wait to see the right to left holes. And we get to the right to left holes and it's, it's drawing like five yards. And going, you know, about as far as I'm hitting it. it. And he was hitting it so good. Just on the button, wind wasn't even touching the ball. And he putted unbelievably. Man, I mean, I mean he may be the best Lynx player of all time. Yeah, and I mean, talk about it. Just a yard from being making history and being the oldest major champion ever. Yeah. I mean, he had a perfect shot into the 72nd uh, no, hole on it Sunday. Was perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. I mean, if it if if it would have stopped, you know, six inches before, you know, it needed six inches less on it, and he was you know, 12 feet, two butt for the win. Uh, Unbelievable. Yeah, that was but I hard. remember yeah, I think the crowds were so, like, pro Tom Watson. You know, it was a pretty big deal. And it was insane crowd. Was, Let's go, Tom. Come on, Tom. Like, the whole way, like, felt like millions of people were out there. <laughs> I'm in the process of making, like, dub on 16 on Saturday. I was in it till, like, 15, 16. I went, like, dub, dub or something. Um, But... I'm standing on the green and he's got like a 40 footer for birdie and I'm standing on the green, you know, contemplating my eight footer for like bogey or double or some shit. I don't know. And he rolled this putt in and I'll never forget it for the rest of my life. The, the, the noise was so loud. The roar of the crowd was so loud. It was deafening and the green I'm standing on the green and it was shaking under my feet going like this. And I was yeah. like, that's some crazy stuff right there. You know, I never that's really. That's cool. I mean, yeah, go ahead and clean up that. That, that was nuts, man. I'm not dub. kidding you. It was like being at, like, uh, Camden Indoor Stadium at Duke. Like, you know, the, the people that play there say the floor shakes. Like, that's what I, I yeah. immediately thought about that. I was like, 
And this is crazy. I know you didn't play the way you wanted, but what a cool experience. Mm -hmm. I mean, those are memories you'll have forever. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I gave it my all, you know, it it was hard, Um, but it was, I mean, it was, it was, it was pretty cool to watch that guy play that good at that age. I mean, it, it was, it was pretty amazing. It was pretty amazing. And, and just being a part of that, especially over there, like the history over there, the fans over there are crazy. Like you'll hit a shot like 40 feet from the hole and like, everybody's like, yeah. you know, they from know. the fairway. And yeah, yeah. It's a little bit different over there. It's more of like a, it's a much more like intimate golf tournament experience. You know what I mean? It's, uh, it's yeah, but that, the best. that was a lot of fun. They, they, if you get yeah. on the right wave, it's the best. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Speaking of the fans yeah, yeah. over there, Steve, is was that the open championship? I believe your boy, your caddy at the time, G Dub, got uh mm-hmm. caught up with some fans <laughs> on the tenth tee. I think taking a little uh relief, if we want to call it that. Was that that event? It, I I don't know if it was that event. It very well could be. This this was in the it, I remember other things about him from this trip. He was doing things for money. We'll uh, get to like that. Yeah, hold hold that, that thought. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get to that. But tell us about the relief. The relief was, is good. I don't remember if that was that at that event on ten at uh, Turnberry. Yeah, I can't remember. The story is during he, the tournament. Yeah, right. Didn't he have to go take a leak? And it was like the tent tee, and he thought he had some room. No one was around in this particular area, and he went out there and took a leak and turns his head, and apparently there was two hundred European fans just staring at him from about fifteen yards away. I, it might have been St. Andrews, but yes, yes, it was. He, that did happen to him over there. And uh, he nice. owned it. You know, he just finished up and, uh, you know, zipped up, turned right back around, walked to the tee. GW <laughs> Cable, one of the best. America. Absolute. One, of the, one um, of the greatest. Yes, absolute character. He'd be a great guest on this podcast. He's got so many stories. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Back in the day when you were playing out there on the PGA Tour, I mean, one writer once said you were the best player on tour without a win. Yet ended up with mm-hmm. having five runner-up finishes. If you look back and there was one you could have a mulligan on, what tournament would it be? What's the one you feel like you really let get away? Uh, Bay Hill. Bay Hill when Martin Laird won. Um, it's funny. Like, in the practice round, we are playing 17, and uh, – I kind of leaked a six iron a little bit and it plugged in the face of that bunker. And I was playing with Spencer and I can't remember who else I was playing with. And I could not, I, I didn't know how to hit a plug bunker shot. I was like, dude, I kept leaving it in the bunker and I couldn't get it out. And, I, and my technique was just awful. And Spencer's trying to show me how to hit it. One dude saying, open the face. Another guy's like, no, you hood it. So anyway, I got a one shot lead in the turn. No, I think maybe, I don't know what it was, but I came to that hole with the lead on Sunday. And hit a very nice six iron. It leaked a yard. And it was plugged this far from carrying over. Plugged in the bunker. And I proceeded to get it out. I was like, dude, you got to get this out. But, I mean, we can't be leaving it in the bunker right now. So I overdid it and hit it over the green. And then, you know, it goes down. And then you got that brutal chip and chipped it to, like, eight feet and missed a putt and made dub. And meanwhile, like Martin Laird's like making putts all over the place behind me. I can hear the roars. I birdied 18 um, to get back in it. And he ended up uh, getting up and down from par on 17 from where I did not get up and down for bogey. The same spot, chipped it, had the same putt. I had like eight, 10 footer for par, made that. 
then hit it in the right rough on 18, hit it on the front of the green and two putted that like 120 footer to the back yeah. right bend yeah. and beat me. But that's the I one, that. I mean, I, I mean, you know, and it's fitting that like in the practice round, you know, it's kind of so weird how it ended like that. You know what I mean? Uh, I know yeah, how to no hit doubt. them now. <laughs> that, that right bunker, that right bunker on seventeen. When the wind gets going, it's like one of the only places you can hit. Like that green becomes damn near impossible to hit. So like everyone oh, plays out of that right bunker, and some of them plug, some of them don't. Oh man! And they took that pin. They hide it over there on the right on Sunday. It's like five four over the bunker, and yeah, yeah. That place. But that I, was one. You know, I think about that one. Da points screwed me out of Pebble Beach one year. Got very lucky. Hold one on fourteen, and then duck hooked one on the next hole. Hit out of bounds, stake, kick back in bounds. Hit it on the green to like sixty feet, and made it for birdie. Uh, that one, that one, I think about uh, him and his Lego belt. That, yeah, but Lego other than man. that, no, you know, <laughs> I played pretty good in some of the other ones and got beat. You know, so yeah, yeah. five times getting close. I mean, you got to play damn good golf just to put yourself in that position that many times. But speaking of old stories, you and I were texting briefly yesterday. You are part of one of the most legendary stories in golf, the flight with Ernie Els, all that stuff. And you were telling me like, look, Ernie's told the story from his perspective 50,000 times. The media runs with that. You never get a chance to tell your side. So let, let's hear it from the horse's mouth. Is that, is that, is he the one that told, because it's my friends, they've been texting me like the article from golf. Di is it in golf digest or golf magazine? I, some it's like a cartoon thing. I haven't seen it. We had him on. We had him on here, and he talked about it a little bit. But now we yeah. get to hear it from the other side because they differ. Yeah, they do differ. But I don't know. Actually, I don't know. I think we'll tell the same story. I'll tell you the whole thing real quick. We met at the yard house. I never met him. We were with like uh, mutual friends, and so then the groups kind of started hanging out. And I'm talking to him. He's like, "What do you do?" I said, "I play golf." He's like, "Oh, what tour do you play on?" I said. Dude, I play on the PGA Tour. I'm like three spots ahead of you on the money list, but he's like, oh, <laughs> I didn't know that, that part was so, true. That's so good. <laughs> he loved that. He loved that. So, you know, we, we had a good time and drank some beers. He invited me on his plane. We figured out we're both playing in Japan and coming back to Jupiter. So he offered me a ride back. And I'm thinking like, hell yeah. But then it was two months away. I'm thinking there's no way this guy is going to remember. So I had another plan to go back. But as soon as I saw him, it was on. He was like, oh, I can't wait, you know, give your passport to my pilot. Like, give me your passport. So anyway, started off a little rocky because he had to wait for me for like two hours because I beat him in the tournament on Sunday. He finished well before me. So he might have been a little ornery, you know, pre-flight. But uh, I finally got on the plane. Uh, everything's great. We're hanging out, drinking beers. I had a nice steak, bottle of wine. Um, you know, then uh, he didn't uh, – didn't want to let me buy to go to the bathroom. Gave me a couple of headbutts. I returned the favor. <laughs> he got a big smile on his face. Like, was just like, yes, yes, I'm so happy. It was like a child. We were like two children, like, like fighting. So we started wrestling and tussling around. I was on his back. He's shaking me around and the pilots come back and yell at us. And it stops. And then uh, we're both leaning against the bar afterwards and we can't breathe. We're out of breath. And he says, I like you. You, you know, you won't let me, you know, you didn't, you headbutted me back or something. I said, well, I'm not just gonna let you headbutt me over and over, bud. And he's like, yeah. So we became good <laughs> friends ever since, but it was, it was like two 10 year olds playing, but a little, you know, but bigger 10 year olds. 
that's exactly what it was like. And we've been friends ever since. Was it just you so, two back there in the cabin? It was just us two. God, that's, that's too big. 15 hours. We, we, we consumed a lot of alcohol on the plane. And the Did pilots it. had to come back and be like, no, like the pilots were like, this up, it's a well, I mean, I think that he may have done some things like this before. So I don't think they were in total shock. Um, but uh, yeah, they came back and they were like, guys, what are you doing? I mean, the plane must have been bouncing around all over the place at like 45,000 feet, <laughs> like over, you know, Russia. <laughs> uh, but uh, I. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's pretty much the, the, the crux of it. it. You know, it was, you know like two little kids like you know play fighting almost but i uh, love that that lines up I, that lines up with what yeah, he said pretty I, much i heard yeah. if you fly with him like you better prepare be prepared to have some cocktails or some beers yes yes cocktails too i, I shared a few other flights with him um the mexico one was pretty memorable um you know, I respect my elders. So, you know, if I'm on a plane, I'm not going to call it hazing, but if I'm on a plane and, you know, guys pouring me a drink and telling me I should drink it uh, and I'm on his flight and he's older than me and a four-time major champion, I'm going to drink the drink. You know what I mean? That's gotcha. the way it is. Yeah. And I got no problem with that. You know, I, I enjoy doing those kinds of things. So, uh, but the Mexico flight ended with, uh, we flew there from Las Vegas and it ended with me uh waiting for everyone to clear customs behind me they all did thought we were done tried to walk out and walk face first into a glass door uh that was pretty embarrassing and then tim west had to uh, drive me to the fairmont and check me into my hotel and make sure i was tucked into my bed that night so that was another flight i shared with ernie that's awesome tim Damn. west Dude, oh, what a Tim great West, guy. What a legend. I'd heard of this story about him asking you what you did in a bar. And I was like, I don't, that's got to be like a made up part. Like there's no, like, what are they just sitting at a bar together and they don't know each other? But that part's actually true. Oh, when we met, no, it's a hundred percent true. He wow. asked me, I was like, he's like, what do you do? And I said, I play golf. <laughs> and he said, oh, you know, really? What tour do you play on? I said, but I play on the PGA tour with you. I'm like three spots ahead of you on the money list. He's like, oh, God, that's good. <laughs> I, I so, come on, Ernie, so geez. Good. It's so good. You know, I know I know you're taking a break from it now, but you you turned 44 in March, I believe. Is there yes, any look to like, hey, when I turn 50, maybe I'll give this yeah, thing a go? Yeah, I mean, again. I think about it. I think about it. You know, I'd like to, you know, stay playing and 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 keep my game, you know, fairly sharp. Um, but it is a long way away, but yeah, if I turn 50 and I'm and I'm I'm feeling good and I'm playing good, I mean, I think it'd be pretty fun to play on the senior tour from the, you know, the guys I know, my friends that play on it, they love it. You know, it's like a totally different world from the PGA tour. They say it's just, you know, they wake up every day, just loving life. Can't wait to get out there and do it. You know, everybody's having fun a little bit, you know, a little more friendlier atmosphere, a little more camaraderie. Um, so it sounds like a good time. I would love to do it if I, if I could. And in six years, Bernhardt will probably hopefully be out of there. No, still be winning. I mean, I don't know, dude. He still might be winning the money list at like 83. God. I mean, he's unbelievable. <laughs> Benjamin button and dude's going backwards every year. I you think he's going to fall off <laughs> and he just keeps winning, keeps on winning. All right. Let's, it's uh, get to the E9 here. Yeah. All right. Yeah, let's, let's go. There's some good ones. All right. We here. got our E9 here. A little fun with Steve Marino. Um, uh, we've been mixing this up a little bit. We'll ask you, you're a single man, celebrity mm. crush. Ooh, uh, I used to be a, a Mila Kunis, but I, I don't. It's tough to the Margot Robbie and uh, Wolf of Wall Street. I mean, that's a pretty good one. 
I mean, I think golfers and all males in general kind of have Margo's the got same a stranglehold on this thing right now. <laughs> For some reason, I can't crack it. Oh man, Margo. Yeah, that's a good one. You got some competition for it, uh, but it's. A I good know. One. I know. Is she single? If you want her to be in your mind, sure. I mean, if you take a stab <laughs> at her, you know what I mean. She comes single real quick. If Stevie's asking about it, uh, all right. You started to get into this a little earlier. We shut you down, but I'm going to give it to you now. Your old caddy, GW Cable, mm. wasn't afraid of a dare. He would do some crazy stuff for money on a bet. What's the mm -hmm. craziest thing you've ever seen him do? Um, the most, the craziest thing I've ever seen him do, I, I might start dry heaving talking about it to you guys, <laughs> yeah. but we're on the way to the British open and there was a beer bottle that was like about half full and about half of it was old beer. And the other half of it was dip spit with the tobacco, like, you know, ejected in there, like somebody was spitting in it and then took their dip out and put it back in the bottle. So you could see like the, the tobacco in there too. It was me, Anthony Kim, Charlie Hoffman was involved. Anyway, we scrounged up about $3,000 and, uh, well, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, <clears throat> if you've ever chewed, you've accidentally taken a swig of a spitter in your dude, life. I mean, bro, the, so you, everyone knows bro, the, the feeling that's been there. He just, he took that thing down. Oh man! He chugged it ten years ago. <laughs> He's gonna he really chugged cute. it. I'm not kidding you. I, I, I get queasy every time I talk about it. And just slammed the beer bottle down afterwards like it was nothing. And I get, I think, I th when I think about it, I almost throw up. And he, they paid. It was about three thousand thirty-five hundred bucks that you know we had pulled up for him to do that and he, he did it no problem and i was like that's a different kind of dude right there oh that's and it wasn't not his a spit. that's it not enough his spit oh god Next what was question. the aftermath of that how many days how many days till you get leveled out after something like that well, i don't know well then he continued on later that trip uh, i played a practice round with vj and like back in the day there like player dining was like i don't know it was kind of a tent and you know we're in Europe, so you can smoke cigs wherever you want, and there's a cigarette butt on the floor. And I just finished, you know, telling VJ about the story of him drinking the dip spit. He offered him, you know, five hundred bucks to eat a cigarette butt off the floor. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so, so I mean, I, we were playing good. The guy wasn't short on money. I don't know what the hell was going on, but uh, he ate that, and he said that was the worst thing. He said he was burping up cigarette for the rest of the week. <laughs> Oh, his intestines got to be just ruined. That ruined. The spitter story, I heard, I was like, no, not doable. Oh, dude, tough. I was sitting right there. Oh, That's tough. Ugh. But that guy's a legend. Okay. Great friend of mine, great caddy, great dude, father of two. Now two beautiful young daughters, and he's, he's doing great. Yeah. So shout out to G. He's got a guy he's caddying for uh, Jacob Bridgman. Caddied for him all year last year on Corn Ferry, and they're starting – this week, I think in Hawaii. Yeah, they're down in so Hawaii. Actually, luck. I was texting good with luck him. to them. I was texting with him earlier. I was like, I need. I, I was texting with him earlier. I was like, I need some stories. He goes, We're on the golf course right now, trying to Monday qualify. Let me text you later. <laughs> oh damn, they're not in. Hopefully, hopefully they get in. Yeah. Um, um, all right. Next. Oh, by the way, speaking of dip spit, so a good buddy of yours as well, Ruji Amada. We're down in Panama, oh, yeah. Corn Ferry. I'm playing mm -hmm. blackjack, and he's standing behind me watching. And he just got his cup, and I was like, what are you drinking? He's like, Crown and Ginger. You want some? I'm like, yeah, sure. Uh, it wasn't Crown and Ginger. 
No, he gave that it is to wrong you? to do. Yes, that is wrong On to do. On purpose. Yes. That's criminal because it's the worst. It's happened yeah. to everyone that chews at some point. Like on accident, oh, you got like a coke, and I then know. you're spitting. And, 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 and usually, you know one. it immediately if you're a chewer, and you can kind of get it out. Like you won't swallow it. Like you know something's wrong. Colt, my, did, you, did it go down? No. Uh, yeah, it went down. I was not happy with oh. Ooh. Oh, I'm sure Oof. you've been. Mm. And you I mean, didn't even you get thirty five hundred. This out if you could find the guy. Where where did he disappear to? He just started dying laughing and walked away. I'm like, you are so <laughs> sorry, but I was on a heater on the blackjack table. I couldn't leave. That's tough. <laughs> tough look. dedication. All right, next one. What do you, Brant Job, and Scott McCarron have in common? Ooh. Oof. That's a very good question. I have no idea. Do you? You are all three members of the Beta Fraternity. Oh, I did not know that. Tell beta, me about this. Be, let me tell you. Tell me about this being a frat guy up in Virginia. Mm hmm. It was okay. Ours was weird. Like my frat was, it was all. It wasn't on uh, Rugby Road where most of the other frats were. Like they had gotten in trouble like a few years earlier, so we had a kind of like an off-campus house. Um, I wasn't like much of like a frat frat guy. You know, I wasn't. I never lived in the house. I didn't go to the parties. But you know, a bunch of friends of mine that uh, I was in school with. Uh, they did it. I did it. There was a bunch of athletes in the fraternity too. No, no other golfers, but um, it wasn't like what you're thinking though. You know what I mean? It, it, it was, uh, I wasn't like super, super frat guy. I wasn't like hazing people. I did go through a hell week and that sucked. It was awful. <laughs> I can imagine. Some we of the it. stuff I hear from those frat, I'm like, they get people pay, people pay money to do this. Like some of it seems cool. Dude, the worst was part. And they had us doing like crazy dangerous stuff. Like, they had us doing high lows. So they had half the half of the pledge class was on like one side of this mattress and half was on the other side and you couldn't see each other. And you had a brother on each side and like you had to run and dive either in the bottom or the top. And then like last minute, they would tell you like, <laughs> go high or go low. And then, you know, you're hoping on the other side, the guy would not be going the same way as you. It was like crazy stuff like that. <laughs> Sounds terrible. That was hell week at like 4.30 in the morning. Yeah. Mm. That's good. Isn't Virginia where they wear like the ties to the games and stuff? No, they wear like yeah, ties. yeah. A lot of fraternities. A lot of the fraternities did like we. Mine wasn't really. We didn't do that. Okay. I don't know if they do that anymore though. I don't know if they do that anymore. But when I was there, dude, like everybody wore a shirt and tie to the game. I'm like, seemed yeah. like the most uncomfortable thing ever. It's like ninety. That's not your degrees. style. No. Yeah. Not really. No. Not really. Yeah, it looks like a board um, meeting over there in the student section. <laughs> Uh, well, those people are probably, you know, solving the world's problems or creating them today. True. Some of those probably a little bit of both. Fair. Yes. Probably a little bit of both. Uh, I'll give you one here. Have you have you ever led people to believe that you were late related to Dan Marino down in South yes. Florida in order to get preferential treatment? Yes. 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 Smart. My ninth grade English teacher. Uh, she hated me. Um, but I somehow ended up charming her and, and we kind of got into conversation. I told her Dan Marino was my uncle. Um, and she, you know, she didn't believe me at first, but then I got some of my, my other buddies to kind of be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he doesn't talk about it much, but yeah, it's his uncle. And then I actually brought her, uh, I looked up his autograph and stuff and forged it and brought her a signed football <laughs> and gave it to her under the pretense that it really was Dan Marino that signed it. 
And uh, I think I got an A in the class at the end of the year. So, yes, well I have done that. Yeah. That's great. That's smart. <laughs> Going back to ninth grade, too. Crafty. Yeah. I love it. Crafty. <laughs> Um, you know, you, you said you're possibly looking for another job. Where would you mm -hmm. say being a boat captain would would rank in possibility for you have, having no, another, no, your next job? No, no, that's Willie Mac, bud. That's Willie Mac. I, I have a boat. If my boat broke down in the middle of the ocean, we'd be in big trouble. Um, but if Willie Mac was on the boat, we'd be good. I think Willie Mac should be the boat captain. He's a great fisherman uh he knows what's going on with boats and um i think that'd be a great job for him for me no 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 i wouldn't want to do he that told although me. go ahead what's i'll be you know if you get a nice uh boat to captain down here you can make a nice living yes you can he told me DJ, dj's dj's captain does pretty good <laughs> yeah that's a good gig who that works for yeah. dj doesn't do well nowadays well, very few yeah yeah uh willie mac did tell me you almost gave him a heart attack once when he was um oh, he let you in charge of his boat oh man oh yeah it's it's gonna be it's almost one of those things if you had to be there basically uh we we took a trip down to the keys and we took uh we usually would take uh this one boat that was out here but in, and instead we took a boat that will shared with this golf coach, Jeff Leishman, it was a smaller boat. I'd never driven it. So we drive down there and uh, it was uh, Briny Baird and myself, Willie Mack and another guy, Jamie Near. And we had rented a house for the week. Briny brought his boat. So he was in the other boat. Uh, we launched the boat and I was, we're in the Keys and we're in like kind of a little neighborhood or it's not real wide. There's uh, bulkheads on each side. The throttle was sticking. I couldn't, I could, I couldn't get it to go. <laughs> Finally, I got it to go and it went full blast. It threw me backwards, I fell backwards on the way down. I slammed it back into full reverse and it went like <laughs> and went up like this. And the seawall's right here. It went up and down and did not hit the seawall. I was going to be in somebody's backyard, you know, <laughs> had I not went down and did that and he was so mad at me will because before this he's like steve you better not mess up the boat i'm like god i got it dude like don't worry about it it's all good you're in good hands well he witnessed that and he was not happy about it so he drove the boat the rest of the week <laughs> i would have been at someone's backyard dude, relax it's well, fine dude, there was people it. outside hanging out like and all of a sudden this little you know we're you know piece of waterway that where these houses were it was like a wave pool because of all my wake that i was creating there's people outside going what in the hell is this guy doing out here so that would have been an expensive mistake yeah. too um side I part mean, of that about and i think <laughs> go ahead go ahead bud. no i was gonna say sidebar to that not being a boat captain would you say right now in your current form you're better at beer pong or golf Ooh, i played some beer pong actually on new year's eve um you still got I wasn't it? as sharp as I would have liked to have been, but I think I went like five and one. You know, I had a bunch of different partners. Uh, In the professional golf I don't world, know. it's tight. It's it's close. You know, I, I break par pretty much every time I play. You know, um, yeah, but you're a shark still on golf. the beer pong table. Okay, I am sharp. Where, I'm sharp on beer pong and cornhole. Yeah, who would you say is like yeah. your biggest challenger in the in the professional golf world in beer pong or cornhole? Well. Dustin is pretty good at cornhole. I can't really like, there's not really any, uh, Denny McCarthy is good at a lot of things like that, actually. 
Really? Danny yeah, McCarthy nice is a s- sneaky, sneaky athlete. Very good hand-eye. And that's why he's a great putter. He He's good at ping pong, cornhole, beer pong, uh, like stuff like that, like little hand-eye coordination games. So uh, Denny's real good. Uh, Dustin and I used to play, you know, those games in battle, and we, and, and we were fairly similar in uh, ability. I love it. Yeah, Denny won that three-point shooting contest they had, wherever it was last year. He made a shitload of them, by the way. Yeah. He went around. Yeah, I think like he beat, like, contest. some dude from the Wizards. Like, he outshot, like, yeah, one of the was, shooting guards. Like, he was nice. Yeah, I didn't, no, I didn't no, have any idea. He could no, like no, that. Denny. Denny's a sneaky little, a sneaky little athlete. You know what I mean? Like he'll he'll surprise you with stuff like that. Yeah, just a little assassin. All right, well that segues nicely into the next one because we may have already hit it right now. But a lot of your friends, Matt Avery especially, he's like, dude, this guy Steve, he's he's just a freak athlete. Like he's good at a lot of stuff. He could shoot. You know, all the games we just mentioned. But if you had to say a sport or activity that you're best at outside of golf, what would it be? Ooh, ooh. Ping pong, I heard you're real nice at ping pong, too. I'm nice at ping pong. Uh, uh, You know what I've actually been playing a lot of recently because i got a lot of time on my hands is uh, billiards pool. Mm. I've gotten pretty good at that, actually. Billiards. I've gotten pretty good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. i got a ledger with one of my buddies. We play all the time. It's going good for me. So, uh, pool. And you know what? I'm a pretty good cornhole player, I think. I I would throw myself up there with a lot of people. So, basically, like a bar Olympics. If you had like pretty pool, much like you know all darts, like the little niche shuffleboard that, like, probably you, know, you can't get paid to do real well. I'm good at yeah. all of those horseshoes. Yeah, I'm pretty good at horseshoes. Like I, don't, I haven't really. I'm good at horseshoes. I love anything you can do while you drink darts. Darts, I'm good at. Yeah, I'm very good. Yeah, I'm yeah, good at all the drinking games. I like yep. that. Yep, yep. That 16 year old yeah. over in Europe's taking over the dart world. Yeah, yeah. There's some. Super, oh, is there's a new there's a new in guy in town challenging that Van Gerwen guy? Yeah, 16 yeah. years old, just fleecing everyone. Yeah, yeah. You can't be. Yeah, they throws like 180 every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's All right, next one. I have to change one of the guys because I know Willie Mack would be the answer now. So I'm going to change it to Matt Every, Spencer Levine, and Daniel Berger are stranded on a deserted island. Who do you have the most confidence in surviving? And making it home safely. Oh man. It, it, it'd probably be a toss up between Matt and Daniel because Spencer's too nice. They'd probably eat him first. <laughs> uh, They'd be hungry though. <laughs> there ain't much there. Um and then they both of those two dudes would be trying to like you know figure out a way to get it done. I'm gonna have to go with the older, crafty veteran would make his way off the island, uh, Matthew Every. I like there it. There you go, Good. lone survivor, yeah. Matt Every. I, I think so. I think I think that I think I think I'm gonna go with that. But you know, Daniel, he, you know, he like I said, he's a fierce competitor. You never know. Yeah, book book's crafty. Crafty he dude. is he the crafty that he is uh very crafty all right last one with me this comes back to your caddy we talked about gw cable for a while there there was the makings of like a fight like a boxing match between y'all two a, oh yeah what whatever happened to that that was like real I y'all were doing like, like interviews nothing, about it nothing ever happened it would have been unbelievable if we actually yeah did it. Um, how did that start i think because I mean, gw and i we've known each other for a long time and we were you know good friends before he started caddying for me 
so we maintained that, you know, we were always like friends before, you know, caddy player. So, you know, we'd get into arguments as friends do from time to time. And, you know, we would talk trash to each other and somehow that idea came up and, um, you know, he was telling me that how bad he, he would work me. And I'm like, you're out of your mind. And, uh, so we decided to maybe try to do it. And then I don't even know what happened to it. It just kind of went away, but, um, it would have been, it would have been very amusing. I wish we, I wish we would have done it. Yeah. GW is a scary dude. He get, he can get angry. So it would have been, it would have been a brawl, I think. That'd be a good pay-per-view player versus caddy fight. Incredible. That would be the whole tour would show. You could just do it on site at an event and everyone show up and pay. I know. For that. A hundred percent. Maybe that's the new gig. 100%. You could be a fight promoter on the PGA tour. That'd be sick. I could <laughs> be the like, Don just, King like, of the solving tour. beefs. Like solving beefs yeah, with dude. players. You know? Yeah, just making fights. Players, making caddies, fights. like, you know, rules officials. Mm -hmm. They could even get them involved, you know? Yes. Oh. Dude, Steven, that'd be lined up. Few people would line up with Stephen Cox, no doubt about that. Oh that'd my God! Are you up. kidding me? Are you kidding me? Yeah, that yeah. would be a no relief from the past. Cash cow, right yeah. there. Yeah, see you Monday. We got to get GW on the pod. He yeah, is we need fantastic. To... Got yeah. so many great stories. All right, last one. Okay, good friend of yours, Dustin Johnson. Yes, sir. All right, we're gonna we're filming this right now on the a few hours before the start of the national championship game, and I know you'll be tuned in tonight watching. Michigan, and who the hell are they playing? Mm -hmm. Washington. Go at it. So who, who I we want, like, by the way. Who we like? Nope. That's what I'm going to ask you. Who you like? Uh -huh. But I need you to do it in Dustin Johnson's voice. Oh yeah. No, bro. I think Michigan is going to win because they're just bigger and they'll pound the ball and, uh, you know, they're just going to they're, they're going to control the possession and and they're going to win the game. <laughs> <laughs> that is so good. Pretty good. I miss we hearing you do the do whole that. interview as DJ. Let's ask some more shit about DJ. Hey, how's your game no, right but now? I bud? mean, Michael Penix, Michael Penix, he's he's pretty good, bro. But I mean, Michigan, they're just, they're bigger. <laughs> oh, that just made the day right there. We're going to run that audio as our promo. Be like, DJ's on the pod talking about football. <laughs> oh, that's awesome, man. Oh, well, that's on good. a serious note, obviously, this is going to come out after the national championship yeah. game. Mm -hmm. I know I personally, because I have one guy out there that's an annoying Washington fan, so I'm rooting for Michigan. So I'm laying the five points yeah. and taking Michigan. Man, I just I, I I dislike Michigan. I don't know why. Like Hartball just gets on my nerves, but I think they are so good. Um I don't believe in karma. If I did, I would probably bet Washington, but no, uh, I think they're gonna win. I just I mean, they're just kind of destined for it, doesn't it? I mean, after all this stuff they've gone through and I don't know. This guy, I think it's going to be a good game, though. I mean, I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game. It's going to be like a 21-18 affair or something like that. So, in that case, Michigan Please would not cover. Colt. That would be great. I'm heavily invested in the under. I think I think I pretty much align with everything DJ just said. <laughs> I want Washington, by the oh, way, because like, no one gambling, hates Washington, bro. really. I'm, I'm a good gambler. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, we can all three look like assholes after this game's over uh, When by the time this thing airs. But that's good breakdown. From DJ, he knows his ball. Yeah. Knows he his does. ball. He does. I love it, <laughs> Steve. Well, you're the man, dude. So great catching up with you. Don't be a stranger. Yeah. Come visit dude, us come out here, visit us. Yeah, man. We dude, missed the twin. I, fin. I mean, I, I like. I, last time I saw you guys, that was like the start of my midlife crisis. From there, I went to Hawaii and then met up with Matt Every, and then Matt and I went to Bangkok. Yeah. To do the oh, Asian dude, tour. He told us to ask you about for that. Like a month. Yeah, it was he awesome, told us bro. to ask you about that trip. Do you want to give us a quick uh, breakdown on what went on uh, over there I and mean, how you guys even got like, there? Like, you know, 
I don't really have enough time. I got videos. Like, uh, uh, <laughs> we invented a new game in the pool at the hotel we were staying at. Like, it was, I got, yeah, there's not enough time. There's not enough time right now, but it was an amazing trip. Van Truck was cool. I rented a freaking car, dude. I'm driving on the wrong side of the road and on the, this side of the car. I mean, it was, it was a lot of fun. We were there for like 10, 12 days. It was awesome. That place is wild. It is, dude. It is like, I mean, how about the wires and the streets everywhere? How does that place Everything. not catch on fire? Yeah, it is it's, bizarre. It's an interesting place. <laughs> There's no doubt. But you and every over there for God, 12 days. God damn. That's, that's terrifying. Good. That's yeah. good. We need to get Maddie yeah. on and talk about that. We survived it. So if we can, anyone can. That's so. true. Yeah, true story. All right, my man. We really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Yep. You're the Fellas, best. Thanks TV. for having me. Uh, good catching up. All right, that was Steve Marino joining us. And if you weren't watching YouTube, you probably would have thought Dustin Johnson joined there at the end. Snuck in there quickly. Uh, that's a good impression. He's so I wanted good, him to man. keep going. If I'd known it was that good, I'd ask him more questions, answer it as Dustin Johnson. Just let him go. He's hilarious. Um, that was that was great. I love this guy. I loved him talking about when he first met little punk ass Daniel Berger back in the day. I, I mean, that relationship, I can see those two just going at it. Big brother, little brother. But by the way, good to see Daniel Berger back on PGA Tour as well. Shout out to him. Played nicely in his debut mm -hmm. since the 2022 U.S. Open. And then the much talked about wrestling match with Ernie Els. Got his side of the story. Yeah. I didn't know it started with a headbutt. Yeah. It's physical. It's physical up there at 30 Sal. Uh Yeah, I was talking to him before. He's like, dude, let me get my... He's like, Because Ernie's talked about it a million times. Media always asks him. I, he's, I've never get, gotten to give my side of the story. So, like, I, dude, the floor is yours. But that's an all-time classic story. Also, the bets with his caddy, G-Dub, G -Dub. who we need to Shout get on out. the program. The drinking the spitter, dude, is enough to make you want to puke just listening to it. If you've ever chewed or even been around a guy that chews, you've probably at some point accidentally done it, Coke bottle, whatever it is, and it's just, like, immediate and he took the whole thing down. I don't know what his week looked like out there at the open, but it had to be. And he ate a cigarette. Had to be miserable. He's a cigarette. We used to have a kid in our little group. We'd call him, what do you give me, bets? Like, what do you give me to eat that? He ate a dollar bill once, by the way. You, pay, you gave him $100 to eat a $1 bill. You want to mess yourself up? So eventually he made 101 Eat a single. Yeah, eventually. I don't know that it was usable <laughs> once the, once the single came out. I thought it was awesome listening to him talk because he's. that's a great trivia question. Like, who, who was in the lead or tied for the lead with Tom Watson after 36 at the open, it was Steve Marino playing alongside him. It was cool to hear him talk about how he handled those crosswinds out there and how good he was on the Lynx golf courses. Reason he's one of the best open championship players of all time. Yeah. He's that, that was an incredible run that he had there uh, with Watson before the crazy ending there and his little crew that he used to run with. I mean, Marino Spence, Matt every, the beautiful Matt every dude, that's a good squad. And there's just not many like that out there anymore you know what i mean dying breed for those guys love steve marino can't wait yep. to get him out here in scottsdale and play some golf um man we need more like him in the game of golf played with them at the twin fin the last year they had it and it was fucking stripes it too. it was a special yeah it was a special 18 yeah um but always fun sitting down with him one of the best hope everybody enjoyed that episode um let's get to some picks real quick for the farmers insurance open which is where i'm headed doing wednesday thursday golf channel friday saturday which is weird to say for cbs because Sunday, CBS, Jim Nance, will be, he'll be calling the golf Friday and Saturday from the Ravens Stadium. Press box up there, and then he'll be getting ready for the AFC Championship what a between talent. them and the Kansas City Chiefs. And then what over on talent. the NFC side, we've got Detroit Lions, San Francisco 49ers. We'll get to those picks in a second. But first, Farmers Insurance Open. I'm going to go with a guy who's been making some noise with his fashion 
lately. Mm. New fashion this year, new clothes this year, wearing the Malbon, has a great record at Torrey Pines. And I like this number too, 25 to 1. Give me Jason Day. Great track record around Torrey Pines. And yeah, what do you think about the new look? Pants? It looks comfortable. He can fit some money in those things. Yeah. That's, he can smuggle some things. As know, a man who likes comfort. Pants, who likes a little. Uh, yeah. I, no, no Euro fit. No. No Euro fit. I'm, I'm okay with it. Yeah, he's changing the game right now. Swing looks good. And like you said, crazy good track record at Torrey. All right. You're headed out there. You know what's been going on. Monday qualifier cancels. Now Tuesday qualifier because it's just pouring rain. Course is going to be soft. It's going to be wet. Rough's going to be thicker. Harder to get out of. It's already a long golf course. It's going to play longer. I'm going with the best driver of the golf ball that I can think of in the field. I think it's going to be paramount this week. Who better than Ludwig Ober, also 20 to 1? He was out in San Diego last week doing some work with Tyler, yeah. getting everything all dialed in. I feel like you're going to pick him a lot this year. I probably will. Mm -hmm. Probably will pick him. He'll be my new Corey Connors. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's saying something. Yeah, Cheating that's, on that's Corey. a lot of love. Everything's open right now. My dark horse, I could not believe this number when I saw it. 80 to 1. Just shot a final round, 62, 10 under par at the American Express. And I know this golf course is much more difficult. But you mentioned how important it is to drive the golf ball well. This isn't a birdie fest. Um, if if it stays wet, plays long, I can see 10 to 12 under par winning. No, not many drive it better than this guy. Give me Keith Mitchell. Cashmere Keith. Cashmeezy. 80 to 1. The rain's gone, but it could be a little cool. His yep. kind of weather. Be right in his element. Come on, Keith. Bring it home. Be right in his element. You'll never get any one. argument. Do one. Get one for the Visor family. You know what I mean? We only got a couple. We're dinosaurs out there. Uh, my next pick, I'm also going with another European whose name is hard to pronounce, but he's spent the last two weeks over there on the DP World Tour coming off a top 10 in Dubai. Ryder Cupper, it's bombs. Same kind of blueprint, same kind of formula for the reason I picked Ludwig. But give me Nikolai Hoygaard going off 45 to 1. Look, slightly different conditions than he's seen in the desert the past couple weeks, but smashes it. Great oh. golf swing. Extremely young. Like, doesn't get enough credit for being one of the young guns because he's so young. Um, I'm going to take him. One of the young guns because he's young. Because he's not old. Love you know that. what I mean? That's why he's a young gun. All right, quickly before we wrap this up, let's do a little football bet. Uh, AFC, both of mine will NFC lose. Championship. This is tough. I, I I thought from the start of the playoffs, it's going to be Baltimore, San Fran. That's not going out on a limb at all. But the way Kansas City is playing, the way they played against Buffalo, catching three points. I mean, they're, they always get to play at home. They proved everybody wrong. They went to Buffalo, got the job done. This is going to be a hell of a game, I think. That's why the line's only three points. But I'm going to take the points. Give me Patrick Mahomes. Anytime you're giving Patrick Mahomes some points, I like it. Give me him and the Chiefs. It's good. Someone's going to be a winner, depending on who you tell, because I'm going with the Ravens. Okay. I think they're on a mission right now at home. Uh, there are rumors circulating. This could be Travis Kelsey's final season. Um, you know who will be in the booth. What do you think of the little... Whatever the little soft. heart signal soft after, I'm dead. you can't just, be killing Travis. Too soft. You can't you know be killing I mean? Travis. Signaling hearts up. But I love Travis. Speaking of that incredible suite that was loaded with the Kelseys, Mahomes, Taylor Swift, Jason Kelsey stole the show. Love that man. Never met him. Huge fan. Congrats on a Hall of Fame career, and you are enjoying it, my man. Drinking out of the bowling ball, shirtless, jumping out of the suite, jumping back into the suite. Love everything he does. Retired life is good. Hell yeah. it? God, he was Hell going yeah. crazy with the Bills Mafia. Eagles guy coming in, Bills Mafia embraced him. He, That's what you can do when you're retired. He was one of the few people that could steal the show from Taylor Swift Yeah, in the booth. Look, All right, so you got, you got Chiefs. I got Ravens. Yep. Let's go to the next. All right, next we got Lions traveling to San Francisco. San Francisco had a hell of a time with Green Bay. Yeah. They're catching seven points. Jared Goff is on a freaking heater, man. Talk I love me. it. 
Their defense is nasty. Dan Campbell is my favorite coach in the NFL, and I don't even think it's close. Give me the Lions plus seven, man. I don't know if they're going to win, but I think they can cover seven points. If they get to the Super Bowl, I'm here for it. I'm going to adopt the Lions as my second favorite team. Might be my favorite team if the Cowboys keep sucking. Um, I just love Dan Campbell. Uh, bad news for you here. That's also where I'm going. I'm a de facto Lions fan. My team has not been good in about six or seven years now. Love Dan Campbell. They've also been shit for so long. It's like the people of Detroit deserve something to root for. Uh, the Niners have been my Super Bowl winner prediction for the entire season. They just don't look quite as good. They struggled real bad uh, with Green Bay. Need to escape out of there with a win. But I'm going Lions in a tub. I'll take the points there. So tough break if san francisco because i am icy yeah. oh great yeah if san francisco makes tickets available for the public and don't just hoard them all like we've seen people do in the past the detroit fan base will travel that place will be rocking i just i I'm, i love everything that detroit's doing right now if they get to vegas for the super bowl it's going to be overrun with lions blue in that place and i'm all for it give me the lions like i said they've been so bad for so long I just want the biggest underdog to win. Love Dan Campbell. I'm all on Detroit. All right. Well, there it is. Boom. So you, you can only fade one of us. You, yeah. I mean, I guess the the proper play would be to take San Fran minus seven. San Fran, and then, yeah, yeah just pick your poison on the first one. I have uh, not won shit in the NFL in a good while. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. We got a great one coming your way next week. The U.S. Open champ, Wyndham Clark, joins us to recap his 2024 season. You are not going to want to miss this. It is a fantastic episode. Have a great week. We'll talk to you on the next subpar.